welcome everybody to our On Deck at Dusk episode. I love that name, by the way, that we came I like up it with. Too. I think it's cute. I like it. You're on your deck. I'm not. You're in your garage, but that's I'm okay. in my garage. Yeah. That's because you it's have snippy been- neighbors. Yeah. I well, I might too, but I can't tell. <laughs> well, you have like barriers up and stuff. I I don't. So it's well, like they can all still open. hear me. Oh. Yeah. They can still hear me, but who cares? Yeah, who cares? Well, are you ready to hear the story? Yeah, I'm very excited. It's a doozy. I'm telling okay. you, man. Do you have holy water? No. <laughs> Either. So I guess we'll just have to hope for the best. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. okay. So my resources for this story are Wikipedia, husheduphistory.com, uh, dbpedia.org, medium.com, grunge.com, and various podcasts because it's been covered by a million people. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. So, but I will say that I got most of my research from, and that's why we drink, (laughs) my favorite paranormal and true crime podcast, which I started listening to them years ago and then fell in love. And now here I am with my own. So anyway, uh, so this story I heard first on, and that's why we drink. And this was their 32nd episode. So they're like oh, 280. Yeah, so you've heard it. So you know, okay. you've heard the story, but I don't know if you know it. If that okay. makes sense. Uh, and this this story is just one of my favorites, only because it's like one of those stories that really makes you think. Okay. You know, yeah. where it's like, am I a skeptic <laughs> of this thing, or do I actually believe it? And if I believe it, then what does that mean about my beliefs? You know, (laughs) and if I don't believe it, then like what was really going on? So you're telling me this is going to send me through an existential crisis. A religious one. Yes. Oh, that's where I live every day. So (laughs) you're like, I'm there every morning when I wake up. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, should I pray? (laughs) Nah. (laughs) Does Jesus love me? Or does he hate me? Or does he exist? Who knows? Love me as a sunbeam. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So this story, there is a book and a movie based on it. Okay. Have you ever seen The Exorcist? Yes. You have? I haven't seen it. No, I haven't. But I've I've seen movies where where it's referenced. Like okay. But I don't think I've seen the actual Exorcist. Haven't either because it's pretty old, isn't it? Probably. I don't have it in my notes of like oh. when it was released, but yeah. So the Exorcist, this story or that movie was based on this story. Okay. This is the possession of Anna Eklund. Oh my god. AKA gosh. the Erling possession. Ah! <laughs> I'm gonna have nightmares. I'm just like you might. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Okay. okay. It's going to be fine. <laughs> I might be sweating already, but it's okay. My legs are like twisted around each other like a pretzel because I'm so <laughs> nervous about this. <laughs> okay. All right. So mm, just start. It's going to be okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just so nervous. Okay. All right. It's going to be fine. 
So this exorcism was performed in 1928. So what we know about this exorcism is all about, or it's all from detailed accounts from the dozens of witnesses that were there that day or that okay. during that time. Okay. I knew that there was a lot of people in the room. A lot of people. So these stories were published in a book back in 1936. So like a decade 10, after. Yeah. Almost about a decade after it was performed. Okay. Um, these stories were also backed up by personal journals of the main priest who was the one actually performing the exorcism. And the book that was written in 1936, uh, sorry, the, the book that was written in 1936 and the journals that, that were written by the main priest were compiled and put together in, like, in an article on uh, a site called The Medium. Do you know what mm-hmm. that's called? Or you know what that is? So there was an article written on the medium in 2019 that had the book and that priest's notes all compiled into it. So we got the full story. Whoa. Yes. I love mediums.com. They're so good. Yeah. And I think that was after The Exorcist was released, the movie, I think. I thought The Exorcist came out in like the 90s. Oh, 90s? Oh, really? Let's look it up really fast. Yeah, we should probably look it up. I I should have looked that up. It's fine. We'll just clip this part out. Yeah. Let's see. Exorcist. (laughs) Fun fact, I do not know how to spell exorcist. (laughs) Um, It was released in 1971. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's old. That is very old. I didn't realize how old that movie was. Well, in 2019 is when all the documents were kind of pulled together and published for everyone to see and get the full story of what really happened. Because, you know, with movies and books, like things can be either um, dramatized or they can even be dialed back a little bit to save people's sanity. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. Many agree that this case, this possession case, it defies all logic of science. And that's why it gets so much attention. It's because people are like, biologically, scientifically, and physically, that does not make sense. Even if she was faking it. Right. So it's yeah. one of those stories. Yeah. Oof. Okay. So even though this is considered one of the most documented cases um, of possession, not much is known about Anna's childhood. So here's the pieces that I was able to put together. Okay. So first of all, her name isn't actually Anna Eklund. Um, Afterward, after the possession, or sorry, after the exorcist was officially performed and everything, and the book was released, they wanted to save her identity because they knew that the public would go to her for questions and yeah, that's cool. accounts. Yeah. So they changed her name from, uh, her actual name is Emma Schmidt <laughs> and they changed it from that to Anna Eklund. All right. So even though her name is Emma Schmidt, we're going to just go with Anna Eklund for the story. Okay. Just so it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Because when I was doing research and like also listening to podcasts, they all just went with 
Anna Eklund. So okay, Anna, Anna or Anna, I don't know, but and I might change just depending. So sorry if I do that. Okay, okay. So Anna was born in Switzerland on March twenty third of eighteen eighty two. Soon after she was born, her and her family moved to the U.S. and they settled in Marathon, Wisconsin. And like I said, we don't know a lot about her childhood, except that she she moved and then she only received an, an elementary level education. Okay. And she was also a devout Catholic. So much so that she dreamt of becoming a nun one day. Hmm, parents, that's an interesting though, dream. I know. I thought about that, too. And I'm like, I guess I don't know n- enough about, like, nunhood. <laughs> <laughs> or nunnery or whatever that's called. <laughs> I, don't of, I don't know enough about it that I'm like, I don't know, like if I don't know what would be appealing about that. I mean, no men in general kind of sounds nice sometimes. <laughs> Just hanging out with your girlfriends. Right. Yeah. But anyway, Anna, she dreamt of being a nun one day. Okay. But her parents were not that way. Oh, her dad was known to be an alcoholic, a womanizer, and he was very vocal about his hatred toward the Catholic Church. So she's going the opposite direction of her parents, which is like her form of rebellion. Yeah. Which is like, I'm going to become a a nun. What a rebel I am. (laughs) Yeah, right. I'll show you. (laughs) So I guess the lesson here is that no matter what you tell them not to do, they're still going to do it. Right. (laughs) Even if that means becoming a nun. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So something about her dad, though, is that he was also having an affair with his sister-in-law. What a A.K.A. Aunt Mina. And we're going to talk a lot about Aunt Ho Mina later. Yikes. Um, At age 14... Anna was attending mass at least twice a day. Then things started to change because Anna said that she began hearing voices and for some reason she could not bring herself to enter the church anymore. She figured that, or she figured out that what she was extremely triggered by was anything that was godly, holy, or religious. And it would Mm -hmm. make her feel extremely angry. And she didn't know why. She even started saying that certain religious items would burn her if she sat too close to it. Oh, wow. She said that the voices in her head would tell her to do unspeakable things, violent things, and especially to the priests in the church. Really? She had no idea where these thoughts were coming from, and they were really scaring her. How old was she again? 14. That would be very scary at 14, yeah. Yeah. I mean, at any age, but like. Right. But it's just so young and like you don't understand mental health probably at that age and at that time. Right. So it's like, what's going on with me? You know? Oh, that'd be so scary. My first thought before things get psycho, my first thought was like schizophrenia, you know? Yeah. So I'll get to that part in a second. So because of these voices, because of these like violent urges that she was feeling she decided to just stop going to church um she stopped attending and she fell into a deep depression and Mm -hmm. 
she began isolating herself because she was afraid of what she might do because of those urges that she was having. Okay. Um, Her parents thought that she was suffering from what people back then called hysteria, which in other words, it's just like like an umbrella term for anything that could be a mental illness, depression, anxiety, ADHD, schizophrenia, even woman problems like PMSing. (laughs) <laughs> at your time of the month was considered hysteria at that time. <laughs> Next time I'm going to tell Josh I'm in hysteria. <laughs> yeah, I'm in hysteria. I cannot be bothered. <laughs> Do not talk to me. I am in hysteria. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so because they thought this, Anna was taken to multiple different doctors, a bunch of different experts and a lot of different things to figure out what was going on. And ultimately, they couldn't find anything. Hmm. But um, a common theme among the doctors and these experts was that maybe what she was experiencing was something that was behavioral, that maybe that's just the problem. Because they're like, she's normal. She's fine. Like, it doesn't seem like it's a mental illness. So maybe it's just her behavior. So they they went and saw a behaviorist. And they're like, okay, well, if it's her behavior, it was supposed to be a specialist for that. So they went and saw him and they said she had, quote, she has the least signs of nervousness and she is in, she is normal in the fullest sense. Mm. Okay. But like we were saying, you just got to keep in mind that this was the late 1800s, early 1900s. So skeptics could argue that it could be schizophrenia. Yeah. So that's where a lot of people's brains are going in this part of the story. <laughs> right. So I, I, during the story, I will keep in mind that there are skeptics thinking certain things. So if you are listening and you're like, well, yeah, it could just be schizophrenia. Keep listening <laughs> because there's something. It gets worse. That cri- yeah. It just doesn't fit that criteria. So it's like, okay, well, if it, if it is schizophrenia, sure. But then what else though? Because yeah. that's not schizophrenia. All right. So we'll get there. But okay. At this point, they couldn't find anything medically wrong with her, but the voices were still occurring. Years go by, and Anna's mother passes away. At some point, Anna starts to believe that she is being hexed by her Aunt Mina, Hmm. who was also known to be the town's witch, Um, and she was apparently practicing black magic. She also believed that her father was in on it, because they were having that affair and because Anna at that time was refusing sexual advances from her father. And he would become angry with her. So he, and she's 14. And uh, she was a little bit older at this point. Cause like years had gone by her mom passed oh. away but over time. Like this is what's been going on. Oh, her mom passed away. Mm-hmm. And then to have your dad be a effing creep. Yeah. What? the fuck what a nightmare and you're dealing with these medical problems that you don't understand mm-hmm. you know or it might not be medical i'm just saying like you're dealing with this that you don't understand it's scaring the fuck out of you you're isolated from your friends you're falling into a deep depression and now your dad's being a creep yeah it's like you can't get a break Man. all right um okay so all the while, Anna's hearing voices, right? Uh-huh. 
eventually her dad passes away then her aunt mina passes away and then she feels like she has that freedom to go get real help okay but during this time that she's trying to find help there's more voices crowding her brain and she's starting to hear the voices of her aunt mina and her father into her head so she thinks at this point okay maybe maybe i'm sick in the head but i think that the spirits of my father and my aunt are tormenting me because I think that they were hexing me. Now I think they're tormenting me in the afterlife. Wow. So she goes to a priest and she says, I, I need this removed for me. However, that needs to happen. I need it removed. So eventually she finds someone who's able to help her. And that is a priest um, and an exorcist named Father Theophilus Reisinger. AKA he went by Father Theo. Okay. So Father Theo, he's a monk and a Franciscan monastery, or sorry, he's a monk in a Franciscan monastery in Wisconsin. He was described as a hard ass who didn't really scare easily. So he was totally ready to take on this task. Okay. But first, he needed to figure out whether or not Anna was actually possessed or if it was just a mental illness. So he went through, um, sorry, hold on. Oh, okay. He needed to figure out if it was a possession or a mental illness, because according to the Catholic church, a true possession is very rare. So the majority of people who come to him for help for these things, it usually ends up being a mental illness. So he okay. has a checklist of things he needs to go through to make sure, like just to verify what he's dealing with. So according to the Roman ritual, which is basically a guidebook for the Catholic church, there are three signs of possession. One is unusual strengths and or abilities. Okay. Two (laughs) is fluency in languages they didn't study before. Yeah. That's one that freaks me the hell out. Right. Cause it's like, you cannot explain that. No, you can't. There's no way for like, uh, how would you know? No. Ugh, I don't know. Okay. The third is knowledge of things that are hidden secret or in the future. So father Theo meets with Anna on June 28th of 1912. And they just did an interview. And he went through this checklist to see what would happen, right? Mm. So during this interview, he gets to know her. He's just asking about her childhood, what her interests are, things like that, just to know like what kind of person she is. Then he asks her about her symptoms and what she's been experiencing. It's kind of like a doctor's visit, I feel like, you know, where it's like, who are you? What's wrong? <laughs> yeah. Um, so once he gets through all that, then he asks her to pray with him. As soon as the prayer begins. Anna's demeanor completely changes and she becomes extremely angry and begins foaming at the mouth. But here's the thing. Father Theo, he was praying in Latin and secretly, well, first of all, he knew that Anna didn't know Latin. So secretly he was switching in between words of prayer and just regular conversation words of Latin. Mm-hmm. And he was doing this to see how she would react. Like, cause if she really is triggered by holy godly things, the prayer will trigger her. 
but if she's triggered by like how is your day today in latin then it's like okay what the hell <laughs> you know right so he, he kind of went in between like prayer words or sentences and phrases to regular talk and speech and stuff mm-hmm. and he noted that each time she became very violent and angry and like would act up towards the prayer okay so he took note of that then he tried to try different languages just to make sure because he's like maybe she learned latin <laughs> you know like right maybe she actually does know latin you know like maybe she's just trying to fool me trying to get attention whatever so he changes it up he starts praying in polish same thing happens he prays in italian same thing happens he even tried hebrew same thing happened wow this freaking pastor guy knows it all yeah so at that point, he was like, okay, well, she seems to know a lot of different languages. So maybe that's possession, but maybe she just knows languages and didn't tell me. Yeah. So let's go on to the next thing. Somehow, Anna was able to identify objects that were, that were blessed and brought to her. Um, well, blessed or if it was doused in holy water. So food, she refused all food because it was blessed. Like she knew it was blessed. And then she was wow. brought food that wasn't blessed and she took it fine. Oops, sorry, this fly. Um, <laughs> so she I thought that was in front of my screen and then oh. she reacted to it. And I was like, oh, like, how did she know? <laughs> That's funny. That was <laughs> but yeah, they, they tested her though. So they, they would bless certain objects and hand it to her. They would give her regular, ordinary objects that weren't blessed or in holy water and she yeah. wouldn't react. So it's kind of like a test to see, like, she really doesn't know what's been blessed and what hasn't. Let's just see how she reacts. She always reacted to the objects that were blessed or doused in holy water. That's so crazy. Cause how she would, how would she know if she was guessing, she like if she was faking, how would she guess right every time? But right. also like if she had schizophrenia again, how would how would she know? Like, there's how would she know? Yeah, because I, I think if I understand it correctly, is that the nuns would bless or the priest or whoever did it would bless the food or the object or whatever behind closed door- doors and then bring it into the room. So it was kind of like, okay, yeah, she would yeah, know. That's... It was a complete experiment, and she passed. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> well, she's passed two so far. That so are just not interview. explainable. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's, I know that there are skeptics, you know, I know it. But she had an elementary education. How should, how would she know four languages? I thought about that too. Cause I'm like, okay, even that though, let's say let's, she had an elementary education and then she learned languages. Do you really think though, that she would have like the maturity to pull something like this off? Right. You know? Especially without parents and like, I mean, I guess she's an ad- she's almost an adult at this point, so it's like, I don't know, but I don't know. Still seems unlikely, but yeah. And there's more to the story. I'm not even okay. not even to the crazy parts yet, dude. Shots, 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 shots. Everybody, I can't do shots, man. No, I've I've been just mixing my alcohol in. The last couple of nights, I'm like, what if I just did shots and just chase it with Mountain Dew or something? 
because it's faster. Yeah. So I did that last night. I took like shit, shit, shit socks, (laughs) (laughs) six shots (laughs) and felt great. That's the thing is that you take shocks, shots, (laughs) you take shots and like, I don't know. Maybe it is a faster minutes. result, so you don't have to like consume so much, right? To feel something, right? But man, drinking that entire bottle of wine, I was surprised I wasn't sick. I was surprised too. Like that next morning, I was expecting you to be like, "Dude, <laughs> like I do <laughs> not feel okay." <laughs> no, I haven't been fast. able to get tipsy like the fun drunk for a long time. Yeah, and so I was like, whatever. I'm just going to down this whole thing. And it, yeah. <laughs> it was quite the experience, but yeah, you know, you seem to enjoy it. Yeah. It was pretty fun. I do. <laughs> Your commentary was really funny. <laughs> I was feeling kind of stupid listening to myself though. Cause I was like, like when we were talking about how, how like rich people no. Like pretty oh, people are ugly. More, ri- more rich, and I'm like the world's working against me. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I'm such an idiot. That part was so funny. <laughs> I think that the really like my entire segment was just comedy <laughs> because of your your I don't know. I think that your banter is what made it funny. So just because I was like out of my f in mind, <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my gosh and I think it's gonna be funny if our parents listen to that and they're like I bet I bet they'll be embarrassed like secondhand embarrassment yeah <laughs> yeah probably. like oh you sound so sloppy <laughs> like oh like my friends are gonna know that you're a drunk <laughs> April you're a drunk yeah, my daughter's an alcoholic <laughs> <laughs> yeah because I drink one bottle of wine after like I don't drink. No, you feel like that's how like your reputation just works with your parents. It's like they see you do something one time <laughs> and it's your entire personality. Just like, that's just who you are. <laughs> you're, you're just like a girl with a tattoo and you get drunk every day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's how it is. That that's what I am. Hi dad. Hi dad. <laughs> I forget he's the only one who's on Patreon. <laughs> I, know. I mean, when is he really going to listen to this? I mean, he will. <laughs> like a year from now. Dad, go listen to episode 24. It's quite a delight. Yeah. Future us are going to be so fun for that conversation with our dad. <laughs> we can't wait to be. Yeah. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> like it's not a sermon it's just a thought (laughs) right just I'm not preaching to you I'm just saying I'm just saying that when I was your age (laughs) hey I I was into crazy stuff too but man it catches up to (laughs) you but you know what I found Jesus and and the rest is history (laughs) get back to Jesus gets better (laughs) <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Anna's in this interview, right? Yeah. And last thing that happened is that she was reacting to things that were blessed or not blessed, right? Okay. Okay. 
we're not even halfway through this, man. We're like a third of the way. It's, it's fine. Crazy. We'll okay, go okay, okay. as long as we need to. Okay. I hope I hope you like this story and I hope I did a good job, but like it gets nuts, man. <laughs> hey, as long as we don't see a person behind me, I'm going to be okay. Right. Well, these flies are freaking me out and I'll tell you what, like, I'll tell you why. <laughs> okay. But these flies that are flying around, I'm like, okay. <laughs> you need okay, a sorry. bug zapper. Yeah. All right. So during this interview, Anna was also thrown across the room by an unseen force and then pinned against the ground by that same unseen force. Unseen force. And Anna was a pretty small, petite woman, and it took three priests to pry her off the ground. Hmm. That's how strong whatever it was, I was pinning her against the ground. That's how strong it was. Wow. That took three priests to even lift her. So at this point, Father Theo couldn't deny that there was that they were actually dealing with the possession here. At this point, he was like, there's just too many things going on. Excuse yeah. There's just too many things going on that like I can't deny it. Right. So we need to we need to perform this exorcism. So Father Theo, he gets permission to perform this exorcism by a local bishop. And he decided that it should be performed as privately as possible to preserve her privacy. So they relocated her to Erling, Iowa. And that's why it's also called the Erling Possession. Okay. So Erling, Iowa is a really small town that happens to have a convent and a Catholic church. And I think it said like there's only like 500 people in that town. Like it's really small. That is tiny. Is tiny. Like nobody knows where that is. <laughs> Unless you live there. Um, as soon as she got to Erling, her symptoms became even more severe. The nuns led her to a windowless room inside inside the convent, and the room was so bare that it was the room was so bare that it was only furnished with an iron bed that Anna could lie down on during the exorcism. Like that's all that was in the room was a bed. Okay. Um, do you know what a convent is, by the way? <coughs> I had to like really look it up and make sure I understood understood what that was. Isn't it like just a religious? Um like campus yeah it's like it's like where people kind of live and gather that are in the same religion yes exactly which i didn't know that i didn't know that's what that word was um so if you're listening didn't know don't feel dumb because i didn't know (laughs) but if you did know just kidding (laughs) but if you did know yes i know i'm dumb but anyway, so <laughs> convent. Yeah, you're right. It's just like a living like headquarters for like priests, nuns, monks. I don't know what other kind of hierarchy there is, but people of the Catholic faith. That's okay. like where they lived um, to do their duties and stuff. So the nuns. Uh, okay, so the nuns. Okay, so sorry. So Anna was staying in this room with only a bed, right? Yeah. So because she was like living there, the nuns still had to bring her food, right? But they yeah. blessed all of the food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so whenever they brought it to Anna, she refused to eat it. So she really wasn't eating. 
So just hold on to that information for a minute. Which would make her weaker physically. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, even if you miss, like, a whole day of food, the you're next day, you're hangry. Yeah. You, like, the first thing you think about when you wake up is food. You know? Yeah. It's like, if she's still refusing it after day one, it's like, wow. Like, what's what's really going on? Right. So she refused to eat. Father's, Father Theo, he started the exorcism. He did this by blessing her in the name of the Holy Trinity. As soon as he said, quote, the Holy Trinity, Anna leapt from her bed from a lying down position. And she leapt onto the piece of wall that's above the door and clung onto it. Like a freaking monkey? Yeah, like in a crouching position, clung onto the wall. Like she leapt from a lying down position onto the wall. <laughs> like, okay, not possible. No. So this event just checked off a box in Father Theo's head for inhuman strength and abilities. Yeah. So that was just like another confirmation for him. He's like, that shouldn't have happened. <laughs> so like already That's I weird. know that. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, already I know that this is going to be one of the biggest exorcisms I've ever performed. After that, it took tying her to the bed while six nuns held her down to perform the exorcism. Wow. They were barely able to keep her on the bed, so much so that the nuns had to take shifts and rotate through, like, to hold her down. Wow. So where she's getting the strength and the energy when she hasn't eaten to fight off six nuns, I don't know. Right. (laughs) Like, that doesn't make sense. That's not schizophrenia. I'm sorry. No. So. Unless it's a very, like, like a schizophrenic who's very has a lot of endurance <laughs> you know that's the only possibility a really athletic schizophrenic person yeah right um mm. so anna though anna hadn't really eaten a lot if at all she was vomiting a lot and they said that this she was so in like the personal nuns journals, they like kind of collected together, like in the article and stuff. One of the nuns that was changing out her vomiting bins and stuff so that she was vomiting at least 20 to 30 times per day. So that's more than once an hour. At some point, there would be nothing left. Right. And she's she not hadn't eating. been eating. Yeah. They said she was vomiting so much that Father Theo had to change his clothes several times during the sessions. Jeez. The nun who changed out her vomiting bin said that it didn't look like liquid that was in there. It looked more like it was tobacco leaves and spices. What's weird about that, though? Oh, sorry. Also, so tobacco leaves and spices. And she also mentioned that it was in amounts that was biologically impossible for any human to hold inside their body at one time. And beyond that, she hadn't eaten. So it's like, how? How is she able to have that, even just hydration in her, right. you know, to be able to vomit all that stuff? 
Well, that comes back to if you're vomiting that much, you really don't have the strength and energy to hold off six nuns. Yeah. You probably pass out by like the third vomit, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm laying on the bathroom floor. Can't even lift yourself up. Right. Okay. So. Oh, I forgot to add this earlier. But one thing that's really weird about the tobacco leaves and the um, like, you know, how like the nuns described the vomit as like tobacco leaves and spices. Yeah. One thing that I put together that like other sources really didn't that I'm like, maybe this is something is that and I didn't add this earlier is that Anna, she believed that her aunt Mina, excuse me, was hex bags. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. So she would hex her with her tea. And so it's interesting that she's vomiting what the nun described as tobacco leaves and spices. Because in my head, I'm like, what if it's symbolic, you know? Yeah. First, she needs to get out the hex, you know? Then she can get out the demons. I don't know. It's just what my brain thought of. Yeah. Like, I wonder if she needs to first get that out before she gets anything else out. But we'll get there. Yeah. I might be jumping ahead, so I'm really sorry. No, you're good. (laughs) Uh, okay. So during this on a stomach, like her abdomen became rock solid. And they said that her body somehow became so heavy. The iron bed that she was laying on began to bend and it bent so far that it touched the ground. What? Yeah. During some of the sessions, um, the nun said that her head would become so red that it looked like it was burning embers. For some of the time, her eyes also became so bulged that the nun said that they appeared like they were popping out of their eye sockets. Jeez. And her lips swelled twice twice their size. So she's looking nuts then. Yeah. She looks like she just got some Botox done. But, like, how can you fake that? You can't. You can't. You can't. <laughs> okay. Oh, this story gets so crazy. I'm getting chills already because it's getting dark. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, the demons are going to come out and get me. I know. <sighs> okay. So. Sorry. Can you still hear me? Okay. Yeah. I don't want that to be too close. I just got to so, spray myself. There's mosquitoes. Oh, you're good. So it was noted that at the beginning, so, okay, I'm going to kind of mention this later, but I feel like I should mention it now, is that it seems like Father Theo performed the exorcisms like during daytime hours and then let her rest during during nighttime, like let her sleep, right? (laughs) Okay. So it's noted that every day at the very beginning of the session, whenever Father Theo would like start his prayer or whatever he started with, mm-hmm. Anna would always fall unconscious first. Her mouth would close, her eyes would close. But what started to happen is that even though her mouth was closed, voices started to come from her throat. But her mouth was closed. Yes, just soak that in for a second. <laughs> like the okay. ultimate ventriloquist, right? Right. Okay, so 
What a also, scary thing to witness, honestly. No, for real. Between her vomiting and her screaming, Father Theo realized that he could start to tell the difference between the voices that he could hear coming from her throat. Some of these voices sounded like they were human. Some of these voices sounded demonic. And some of the voices sounded like they were animals, like hyenas. One of the nuns in one of her like journals described that the voices sounded literally like a pack of hyenas coming from her throat. That is so weird. Right. Like I'm Father trying to imagine what it would be like to see that. Right. And like, I'm trying to go slow. So it's like, so you can really like paint the picture. Cause it's like, could you imagine like it already doesn't make sense, you know? Yeah. It's just like, there's so many pieces that are just not connecting possible enough to be like, what the fuck is it? Like you just can't explain it with things that happen normally. You just can't. Right. The only, if I was a skeptic listening right now, okay. I would think, okay, these are just exaggerated, you know? Yeah. It's just exaggerated. It was probably like this big of a story that turned into this big of a story because it got so much attention. Right. Yeah. But I'll get to why that piece doesn't, doesn't make sense that the nuns would want attention. Right. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll get there, but it's just like, this story is so nuts that it's like, what the hell? (laughs) Okay. Okay. So father Theo started to recognize these voices, right? He started to kind of decipher between human, what sounded demonic and maybe animals, right? He started to tell the difference that there was something happening. So father Theo, he demanded to know who was possessing Anna's body and he was told, he just heard the word many. Just the word many. Many. Isn't that so ominous? Like, I feel yeah. like if I, if I heard that, oh, because like you, I feel like walking into that, he probably thought one demon, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Not a pack of them. <laughs> yeah, really though. Like a pack of hyenas and a pack of demons. <laughs> yeah. Man. Oh my gosh. Okay. So even though that he was told that there was many voices or many entities possessing on his body, only four of them made themselves known in the beginning. And I'll get there. Mm-hmm. There was four main ones. The first one that made themselves known came by a deep, deep, deep voice. Which she probably couldn't actually make herself. Right. She's a female, like a little girl, you know? So yeah, I didn't think about that, but you're right. Like that is so true. So this is a deep voice and they made themselves known as Beelzebub. That's the name that came to my mind immediately. Right. Oh yeah. No. Beelzebub. He is known as the Lord of flies and Satan's secondhand man. He is one of flies swarming me right it's like now. I'm like landing on my face. I'm like, get away. <laughs> like, I don't want to be possessed. Yes, oh, Bob, you son of a bitch. Get your flies away from Son me. of a bitch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so 
Beelzebub, he was banished to one of the. Uh, oh, that's not him. Sorry, I'm jumping oh. ahead. So Beelzebub, he is one of the seven princes of hell. Okay. I didn't look it up. I don't know who the other six are. <laughs> I don't care really <laughs> right now. Maybe we'll get to it, but maybe Beelzebub, we'll get there and let you know. <laughs> yeah, like a like a like a Marvel Cinematic Universe kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. So. Yeah, he's one of the seven princes of hell. Okay. During the exorcism, Beelzebub was apparently getting in philosophical debates with the priests and mocking their beliefs and challenging them on their knowledge of other languages. Hmm. Father Theo, uh, he engaged in a conversation with Beelzebub, though. He was like, no, I need to figure out what the hell. So he said, he said, quote, who is the prince or the leader amongst you? And what is your name? And Beelzebub, he said, well, I say Beelzebub, but it's the voice that's saying he's Beelzebub. So skeptics, like, just, just follow along. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. So Beelzebub said, Beelzebub. <laughs> <laughs> Father Theo said, why are you taking over Anna's body? Beelzebub laughed. And he said, did her own father not curse us into her? And Father Theo said, are you saying that Jacob Eklund is responsible for these possessions? Jacob Eklund is her dad. Yeah. Um, and Beelzebub said, well, why don't you ask him yourself? So before Father Theo did anything else, because, you know, he just was taking in that information, like, what the hell? Yeah. Before he could do anything else or say anything, another voice entered the chat. <laughs> it's like an instant messenger in my head. I'm imagining like they each have like a little picture. Little bubbles that pop up. Yeah. And then like <laughs> when he says, who's the prince of you or whatever he said. Yeah. And Beelzebub's little chat says Beelzebub with a bunch of crying, <laughs> laughing faces. <laughs> like a text message conversation. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm imagining. And like those memes in between. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So before Father Theo could, you know, because Beelzebub said, well, why don't you ask him yourself? Well, before Father Theo could do anything or say anything, a voice came in. And this voice was so deep and so loud that a lot of the nuns that were in the room excused themselves out of fear just from the voice. And mind you, at this point, this is the first thing that they left the room for was a voice. Like that to me speaks a lot of volumes because it's like she was vomiting. She was screaming. She was like jumping like on the fighting. walls. Yeah. You know? Like she's heavier than the bed. Like, there are so many things that are going on, and just the sound of this voice made the nuns leave the room. Ugh. Okay, do you want to guess who this person might be? Satan. No. Uh, what does it start with? J. You might not. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get it. Only because you don't know the Bible, <laughs> and I know you don't know the Bible. <laughs> uh, Jacob. Yes, Jacob. Whoa. No, I lied. It wasn't Jacob. 
<laughs> oh. was the dad's name. I'm sorry. I felt very smart. Wanna, do you want to re-guess though? Jacob is a good guess. That was a name in the story. What's another J name? Like, I don't want to be sacrilegious, but the first name that comes to my mind is Jesus, but that's not it. <laughs> no. Judas. I wouldn't have guessed that. You know who Judas is? No. Okay. I didn't either. And I'm like, oh shit, like this happened. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow there's a lot of drama in the bible man <laughs> okay okay so the judas he's the disciple that betrayed jesus does that ring a bell i didn't know anything about this like story. what did he do so what he did this isn't in my notes i actually did some bible study <laughs> spill the tea dad be so proud of me <laughs> i wrote i read some scripture okay okay so Judas, you know, when Jesus was being sought after by the Jews, so they were looking for him, right? Judas was one of the disciples of Christ. I think there was like 12 of them or 13 of them or something. 12. Yeah. That sounds sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. That (laughs) sounds like a Jesus kind of number, not 13, right? No, 13 (laughs) is bad. Yeah, 12 is probably right. Okay, so he was one of them. And he, okay, so Jesus was being sought after. All the disciples knew it. And all of them were being approached (laughs) to be like, where is he? Like, we need to find Jesus so we can um, put him to trial or whatever it was, right? Judas was the one that turned him in. Even though he was a disciple. So he betrayed Jesus that way. Damn, that's really, that's really bad. That's really heavy, right? So he turned Jesus in and then Jesus was crucified. Um, But after he turned Jesus in, he went and committed suicide. So he's been banished to hell and now he is the demon of of suicide. So many... Christians believe that if you are possessed or influenced by Judas, he's usually trying to trying to talk you into suicide. Like that's that's the demon in you is Judas. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean it makes sense as to like like how they got from A to B, but yeah, for story reasons. But like, how about it's just someone's mental health and trauma that you know they need right yeah that's a good point i didn't think about that because it's like if you commit suicide that doesn't mean you're gonna go to hell no but i think the reason he went to hell is because he betrayed jesus i think that's what it really was because that's like he committed suicide then he felt guilt right and if you feel guilt you i have my own thoughts and feelings about this but I just don't think people will agree. (laughs) I just have to say, for story reasons, Judas is a bad guy. Yes, he is a bad guy, and he's in hell and also uh, possessing Anna's body. So, (laughs) so we can assume he's not great. (laughs) No, not great. Um, Apparently, Judas has been labeled as one of the biggest traitors in history, and that's along with the two guys that betrayed Caesar which I don't remember their names and I don't remember that story, but that's just what historians say. They're like, 
besides those two guys, Judas was the biggest traitor of all time. <laughs> okay. So he was banished to the ninth and final circle of hell by God. And like I said, many Christians believe that he is the demon of suicide. Okay. The voice said that he possessed Anna's body in hopes that she would, quote, get the ropes and hang herself. Jesus. I know. My goodness gracious. I know. While Judas is talking. Oh, sorry. So while Judas is talking, though, they noticed that something different was happening, that while he was present, her body began to like contort. Okay. So you know about the her eyes bulging. Yeah. That happened, but even more. Okay. Her lips swelled even more. She was bending the bed still. She's super heavy and her abdomen was rock solid. But now she started to swell up. Like her body was poofing up like like a balloon. Like the girl who ate the blueberry in Willy Wonka. Exactly like that. (laughs) But less blue. (laughs) Yeah. One of the nuns in their journals said that they were so worried that her skin was about to burst. With how tight her skin was. So just imagine that. Okay. Uh, She also became extremely pale. um, And they said that her face even started to twist and contort. So whatever that means. Hmm. So that happened while Judas was speaking. Okay. The third voice that came after Judas was her own father, Jacob. Okay. He was condemned to hell. Because I guess in one of the podcasts I listened to, they said that like Father Theo described the voice as sounding like it came from hell. So he assumed he was in hell. Okay. But then other sources said that he was like, no, I'm in hell. <laughs> like, like he confirmed it. So it's like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe hmm. it's- so I'm just going to go off of my notes. But so her father said that he was condemned to hell and he said, quote, I was happily allowed to possess my daughter's body so I can finally fulfill my incestuous desires. Ew, sick fa. Right. Um, I also want to mention for the skeptics that many will argue that trauma and or sexual abuse from a child or at, at a age of a child often leads to schizophrenia oh really often yep or just severe mental illness like if it's yeah not schizophrenia, i mean it might be something trauma else. ptsd for sure one one disorder that is kind of specific for this one though is disassociative personality disorder aka okay. multiple personality disorder Oh, see, I've heard that theory, too, for this. Yes. Yeah. So this is where people will stop and be like, no, like this is just multiple personality disorder. She's bringing up her dad and the abuse that she went through. And she's kind of like almost like like thought processing it that way. You know, like it's her brain's way of being like, this is what happened to me, you know? Yeah. Admitting it to herself. So if that makes sense, that's that's where a lot of skeptics think is what's happening at this point okay but like i've said mental illness was still very misunderstood at that point so it's really hard 
hard to know. Um, the fourth voice, the final and fourth voice that came through was a female voice. And it was Aunt fucking Nina. Ugh. She was also damned to hell. But it wasn't because she was hexing people. Do you want to know what it was for? Being a hoe. That wasn't listed specifically, but it was <laughs> probably worse than that. Oh, what? Aunt Mina apparently was banished to hell for murdering four young boys during her lifetime. No way. Yeah. And they said, or, and there's a lot of different like sources that say different things. Some say it was just four different random boys. Mm-hmm. Some say that it was her own children. And then some rare, not very many sources said that it was actually that she had a, um, an abortion for abortions. So it was oh. like, you know, oh, sorry. Do you hear that? No. Alexa, stop. Alexa was looking up abortions for me. <laughs> the Alexa's in the garage because I use it for music while I'm spinning. <laughs> that was funny. Okay. <laughs> so, like, I don't mean to get political in that. I don't think you're going to go to hell to get an abortion. I, I personally do not believe that. But that is that what either. some of the sources did say. So I don't want to, like, accuse her of murdering people. You know? <laughs> right. But, like, that's just what the, that's just what the sources said. So in this room, there were no windows, right? Right. Yet somehow flies and mosquitoes were still able to show up out of nowhere. But just as fast as they would show up, they would also vanish. Mm. And Father Theo realized that they would only show up when Beelzebub was present. Remember, so he's he the, was the leader of the pack who brought all these different personalities or people or entities probably. or whatever. He definitely seems like the head honcho. Like he was okay. like the leader of the pack. Like I definitely think that he is like. He's the lead hyena. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Could you imagine in hell all the demons are like, okay, we really got to like synchronize our voices to make sure we sound like real hyenas. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if demons just look like hyenas? Yeah, like on Lion King. Right. I mean, I would I would prefer that over what I'm about to describe. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so Thanks for that heads up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So flies and mosquitoes were showing up and they're also disappearing. And it was happening when Beelzebub showed up. So also a pea-sized bump this is kind of random but a pea-sized bump kept moving around her body under her skin so like it'd show up like in one area and they'd be like oh there it is and then like they would do something and then oh it's over here now oh it's over there now so like That's it just kept, like, popping up in different places yeah but then also disappearing in where it was before yeah so that's not schizophrenia. No, <laughs> that's not mental illness. You can't you can't just have little bumps moving around you and call that a mental illness. No. So Beelzebub, he was somehow able to predict future events. Because one of the voice or so, so sorry, because he said to Father Steiger, who was actually a priest helping with the exorcist exorcism 
but Father Steiger was actually, okay, so Father Theo and Father Steiger, they're friends, okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Father Steiger is the one who, like, runs and operates the convent. Okay. Father Reisinger is the exorcist from Wisconsin. (laughs) So, (laughs) So he, like, brought people and said, can I use a room in your convent? And then Father Steiger was like, sure. And okay. he said, also, do you want to help me out with this? <laughs> so he's like, sure. <laughs> so okay. he was there, even though he wasn't the one like hired for the job. Yeah. He was just kind of like a friend helping out. So Beelzebub, he said to Father uh, Steiger, he said, Lucifer is on his tracks. Just wait until the end of the week. When, fi- when Friday comes, then you'll see that Friday, Father Steiger was headed towards the hospital to read someone their last rites, whatever that is. I think it's a Catholic thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> it sounds like somebody died and like needs to like be like prayered off to heaven, but I don't know if that's really what it is. <laughs> oh, okay. There's mosquitoes all over my computer screen though, which is kind of gross. It's Beelzebub. S- stupid. Yeah, <laughs> he's trying to get to me. Maybe that's what it is. He's like, how do I get through the screen? I don't understand. And it's like, Beelzebub, you're an idiot. That's why. It's because you're like a million years old. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like 28. And you don't even so... understand technology. Yeah. Get you with it. You have an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> don't even know my Wi-Fi password. <laughs> oh, okay. So he was headed to the, towards the hospital to do this thing when all of a sudden his car lost control and he crashed into a bridge oh my gosh yeah luckily though he was okay Uh, but when he returned to the convent Beelzebub said to him as soon as he got back to Anna he said I certainly showed you today what about your new auto that dandy car was smashed to smithereens it served you right how did she know that? Right. If she wasn't possessed by a demon. Yeah. But I also think it's confusing. Like, how can they cause a car accident? You know, like as a spirit or a demon, how can you cause a car accident? Because you'd think that they would do that more often to like religious leaders, you know, unless well, being in uh, like Anna's body or whatever, they become stronger yeah so I I didn't put this in my notes but one of the podcasts that I listened to I know it was a podcast podcast so I don't remember exactly which like what the name of it was but they did explain that basically father Theo he accepted the fact that aunt Mina had hexed Anna like with with tea or whatever he accepted that as a possibility Mm -hmm. because in the catholic religion if you're going to be hexed by a witch it's usually more successful if it's done by a blood relative which aunt Mina was so he thought okay so that makes sense so they they also believe which I don't know you know but like they also believe that the only way for an entity to, or a demon or something basically from hell to possess your body is it has to be given an open door, right? 
okay. it cannot possess you if there's not an open door. So how you open that door is by getting into the occult, right? So they say that even just like, this is what the podcast said. So I don't believe that everybody believes this. I'm just going off of what I was told. Okay. Via podcast. <laughs> but what they said is that in the Catholic religion, they believe that anything of the occult could be tarot cards, just using those, having them read for you, whatever it is, that's opening a door to be possessed. Like, okay. <laughs> just as simple as that. But doesn't it have to do with intention also? That's what I believe. That's what I truly believe. But the Catholic religion believes that it anything matter. of that nature is an open door. Anything of the occult is an open okay. door. Okay. Anything. So like tarot cards, crystals, even they believe open a door. Um, they're you know, rocks. Magic. So, yeah, no, that's that's what the podcast said, and I'll have to like put it in the reference references on the website. But yeah, so anyway, okay, there has to be an open door for it to happen. You mm-hmm. know, so like your question of like how they can just make accidents happen, I think they have to be given that open door. So like where Father Steiger was practicing this exorcism. I don't know, but I wonder if that was his open door. You okay. Know, yeah. Or something to happen to him because he was being involved in something. Does that make that sense? makes sense? Yeah. So, like, it just can't happen randomly. Is the point? It's like okay. it's not. It's not just gonna happen. Like something. Something and there that has you're involved to be. In. Yeah. Okay. That makes more right. sense to me. Okay. Um. So after Father Steiger gets back and Beelzebub says like, yeah, did you like that? Served you right. Yeah. In that, after that happened, Beelzebub started going around the room and targeting everybody in the room and revealing all their secrets, all their sins, and exploiting them to the room. <laughs> what were the like- nuns doing? I want to <laughs> know. I don't know specifics, but like some podcasts said, like, it was stuff like, oh, you cheated on this or like you stole from that or you like like little things, you know? Yeah. But what's interesting is that Beelzebub was not able to, um, what's the word? Like bring up or like remember or talk about the sins that were confessed. So all the sins that he was talking about were ones that they had never confessed and that nobody knew about. Interesting. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Like these nuns were like, oh my gosh, I did kiss a boy, (laughs) you know, and he like ratted them out. (laughs) So I don't know. I would love to be a fly on that wall. Right. Could you imagine the priest being like, like, damn it. Now I have to sit through all these confessions. (laughs) Right. So all right. So at night, like I was telling you before, is they would let on a rest, right? Mm-hmm. Each night, so she said that she would have dreams. Oh, sorry. So each night as she was going to bed, she would say to the nuns, like, I don't have any memory of today. Like, I don't know what happened. Like, can you tell me what happened? Like, so she would be asking questions like, what happened? You know, and they would tell her. So she really didn't have any memory of anything that happened during the sessions. So at night was kind of her time to like catch up and be like, what happened? You know? Yeah. And they would, I don't know if they would tell her, but that was her time to be like, what the hell? 
Then she said that at night when she was sleeping, she was having dreams of good and evil spirits having a literal war or battle around her body in the room. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That is interesting because that does like I do think that there's something to not necessarily guardian angels, but kind of like spirits that do watch over you, whether they be like family or because they don't want to see you go to hell. Like they're going to do what they can, you know? Yeah. But I, I genuinely think that there are spirits around you, like helping you in in ways. Yeah. And so like, I think that's cool to like, that she, she almost witnessed them fighting for her kind of thing. Yeah. That's such a good point, especially when you know that like the people that were like the people that were so close to you, your mom, your dad, your aunt, they betrayed you in such ways that you were like, like she didn't have anyone in her corner. Yeah. And she was so isolated from her church because she couldn't go because she was afraid of her own thoughts and feelings, you know? So it's like, you're like, like, yeah, just to put it in that kind of perspective, like, oh shit, like they care. You yeah, know, there, like, there's there's entities, spirits, and people that care, and we're like trying to protect power. her. Yeah, right. That's right. cool. Yeah, it is really cool. I mean, probably terrifying, but cool. Right. I feel like this whole experience would be terrifying. Right. Um. <clears throat> so, so yeah, Anna, Anna did let everybody know, like, yeah, I've been having these dreams at night of like good and evil spirits fighting around me. So during one of the sessions, this is like kind of midway through the exorcism and this exor, excuse me, sorry, I'm burping. This exorcism goes on for almost like 22 days or 23 days, Damn, three weeks. And around like the middle of that time, father Theo had a vision during the exorcism during one of the sessions And it's documented that this is the first time that any priest has had a lucid vision during an exorcism. So this is what also makes this case very unique. Mm -hmm. Um, He said that during this vision, he found himself in a room alone with Lucifer and Beelzebub. They were both sitting in the corner of the room and there was fire all around the room, completely burning. He said that the, um, oh, sorry. He said that Lucifer was extremely tall and had matted black fur on the lower half of his body and had hooves. He was wearing a crown and he had a sword that was on fire. Um, Somehow, in all of this, he never gave us a description of Beelzebub, so we don't know. But that's what Lucifer looks like. He said that as soon as he saw them, he could sense their pure anger towards God. So Father Theo sees them in the corner and with balls the size of Mars, walks up to these guys and says, quote, what can you accomplish, you helpless Lucifer? right i'm like oh shit i can't even believe i said that out loud okay <laughs> lucifer don't come for me <laughs> it was a quote <laughs> it wasn't me it was a quote 
But quote end quote. (laughs) quote. It wasn't me. I didn't say it. It wasn't from my soul. But oh my gosh, what in the world? I know that priest is badass. (laughs) Right. I mean, Uh, though a dream. He says this. Well, a vision. He said a vision, and it was during the exorcism. Like so, he was performing it, and then all of a sudden, he went like comatose almost, and like yeah. Had this vision. Interesting. And they said that this vision lasted almost 30 minutes. Wow. Isn't that crazy? So during this time, he was given information from Lucifer about the Antichrist that was coming to Earth. Um, He was also told that Judas, uh, the demon of suicide, would be the one influencing and controlling this Antichrist. He said that a false prophet will make himself known by performing, quote, miracles of healing will and will have and will seem to have all the answers to all of our problems. And he will be looked up to and worshiped and worshiped like a god, fooling everyone. Oh, and I'll say that I didn't put it in my notes, but there were some sources that said that this Antichrist would be born in the 1950s huh yes okay so (laughs) father reisinger slash father theo he is in the room in this lucid vision with lucifer and beelzebub right and lucifer is telling him about what's to come he's saying you better get ready because the antichrist is coming one detail that lucifer added in is that this Antichrist that was fooling everyone is actually going to be Lucifer in disguise. Um, some sources said that, and I know I already said this kind of, but some sources said that he was born in the 1950s. Some sources said that he actually is coming to Earth without a mother and he will be created by Earth basically like he's not a human like he literally is lucifer in human form fooling everyone okay so this antichrist is supposed to be created from the earth you say Mm -hmm. yeah but don't you feel like that wouldn't be the case because then that would mean because i feel like you could do that at any point right Yeah, because i feel like mother earth is supposed to be like sacred to in my head i think it's yeah the earth is heavenly sacred or or heavenly thing mm-hmm. the living thing mm-hmm. like the whole ecosystem of earth yeah the creation of earth hold on a second I'm those getting, gunshots no i'm getting spooked the dogs Why? all just like ran in into the garage like they were excited but there's no one there is josh not, home yeah but i didn't hear the door open oh, or close oh but they it's ran. just beelzebub and lucifer shut up my freaking garage is dark i'm gonna panic well it's <laughs> not on fire so maybe they're not <laughs> maybe they're not there i'm sweating i don't know why but anyway I feel like the only way that would be the case is if 
earth is dying. Yeah. And that's the way that that's able to happen. Yeah. Which, I could see that. Which if you, I mean, it is, they say it's dying already. Right. Yeah. If you think about it, mm-hmm. like we're killing the earth <laughs> mm-hmm. with all of our freaking emission. What is it called? Gas. <laughs> what is that? Global warming. I don't Global know. warming and all that stuff. The whole ozone layer. Yeah, maybe freaking Satan's coming from the ozone layer because there's all holes in all of it. It's a Swiss cheese situation. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) there's open doors everywhere. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) But that's how I freaky to think like if this is all true, like he could be walking amongst us right now. But don't you think watching the Kardashians? (laughs) Right. That's his favorite pastime. Right. He's doing those online quizzes to see what freaking which Kardashian is he? Which Kardashian he is and what freaking What kind of man would he marry based off the Kardashians? Is what it Travis his- Scott or is it what's his face? <laughs> what's his name? Akon? No, who is that? Kanye. Who's the guy that's Kanye, yeah. Or he's taking those quizzes to know what freaking House of whatever Harry Potter thing he is. In. House of Slytherin. <laughs> is he Slytherin or is he Hufflepuff? I'd guess Slytherin, but you never know with those quizzes. Mm. No, I feel like he'd be more of a Gryffindor. Only because I feel like he'd be the Gryffindor that's like actually a Slytherin, but pretending to be a Gryff- Gryffindor. So he's he actually in the there system. to like. He's saying. Yeah. Right. The cheatiest cheat you've ever seen. Exactly. All right. So, uh, okay. So after Father Theo has this lucid vision, he comes out of it, and he's a little freaked out, right? Because he's he's just been given this information. He literally just saw Lucifer and Beelzebub sitting in a corner in a burning room, and he felt like he was actually there. So he gets back to reality and he's like, we need to get these motherfuckers out of her body. Yeah. Because I, he was like raged up at that point. He's like, I'm not stopping this exorcism until they're fucking out. He didn't say those words. I did, (laughs) but he was mad and he was like fired up. He's like, I'm, I'm determined now. Yeah. One thing that, um, was mentioned in one of the sources I found is that in that vision, uh, Father Theo, he he could feel their anger about God, right? Like he could yeah. feel that anger, and he was, and he said that afterwards, he was like, "I took that as an indication that the exorcism was working, because usually demons don't like to make themselves known unless they're being weakened, and they try to appear stronger, right? Yeah. So like he said, he's like, that's their behavior, so." where they are pulling me into these visions and they're telling me all this stuff. It makes me feel like they're just trying to pull out their last cards to be like, Oh no, we're strong. We're actually here. You know, like yeah. we're doing, we're, we're better than you. You know, like it was, yeah. like, it was more like a false indication that they're doing okay. Yeah. When really they're on their way out. Yeah. So he, that's when he was like, we're not stopping until they're gone. So he began a new session 
He just started fresh. He said, okay, I am demanding in the name of the blessed Trinity that these entities would leave her body and that they'll give their names as they leave. So he, I guess when you're doing an exorcism, you can just demand things like that. So like he, him doing that kind of like solidified the fact that once he heard them say their own names, he knew they were gone. So that was like him setting the rules being like, okay, I'm going to keep going. And when you leave, it's going to be like a roll call. And as soon as I hear your name, I'm going to assume you're gone. So, uh, Reisinger slash father Theo, he repeated during the session, he repeated depart ye fiends of hell be gone. Satan over and over and over again throughout the exorcism. And this one lasted the session lasted for three days and three nights just constantly repeating depart ye fiends of hell be gone satan then finally anna fell onto the bed and began naming the entities and this is the first time that the priest learned that there was more than four of them wow he named the four that they knew about plus several others that they were like oh shit (laughs) like holy crap Wow. So she kept naming names. And then finally, when she was done, she said, quote, I've been freed at last. Praise be Jesus Christ. Um, that was basically the end of the exorcism. So Anna went on on record later saying that Jesus often visited her in visions afterwards and just sat and talked with her and just reminded her to say to stay faithful. Wow. Which I'm like, if that's true, could you imagine getting like personal visits from Jesus Christ? Like, how special are you? Yeah. <laughs> you <know? laughs> so, what you got to do to get some freaking FaceTime with Jesus? You got to be yeah. possessed <laughs> right. by, by a dozen demons. <laughs> yeah, for real. It's like, okay, so that's how you get the VIP pass. Okay. Yeah, I'm so- good. She said that she was getting those visits from Jesus up until she died. Um, After the exorcism, all the nuns in the convent requested to be transferred. And they were all granted that wish and they were gone within the year. Wow. So this is where I know earlier I said, like, I don't think the nuns are trying to get attention from it because I Hmm. feel like they would have stayed, stayed to tell the story, you know? They would have been like, oh, yeah, I was here, you know, like yeah. I was right in that room. I was doing that. I did this. I did that. But where they all of them, dozens of them all individually requested a transfer. And this is also like keep in mind, like these nuns have like so much faith in God <laughs> that like you would think that they would like be like, oh, I'll just pray. I'll just pray all these demons away. You know, right. like they can't possess me. But they were so uncomfortable with being there that they all requested to be transferred. I would. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. So that's where I personally don't believe they're trying to get any kind of attention for it because it's like, then they would have stayed. They would have <laughs> toughed it out. Yeah. You know? um, <clears throat> so a document, which is kind of like a booklet pamphlet thing, was written in 1934 by Father Carl Vagul. 
And that detailed the firsthand accounts of what happened to Anna um, during her exorcism. And the document was intended to inform and teach other Catholic priests of how to identify true demonic possessions and how to handle them. So it wasn't really just like to spread gossip, like, oh my God, you won't believe this. You know, it was more like educational, like this is what we used or like, this is how we blessed this. It was more like informational, not like a gossip thing. Yeah. 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 So that was the first document that was like published and like official that regarded Anna and her exorcism. Um, Father Steiger and his housekeeper of the convent, they both testified that, quote, true expulsions of demons that came, sorry, sorry. They both testified that, quote, there were true expulsions of demons that came from Anna. So Father Steiger, he was the owner of the convent and the housekeeper. They were both, they went on record, quoted everything. They were like, for sure that happened. <laughs> like, we're not, like, we're not afraid of losing our reputation for this. It happened. Yeah. Like, this is exactly what happened. The housekeeper was also quoted in the, in a document that was titled Begone Satan saying, quote, I was a witness for the whole period of the early possession case, and I can truthfully say that the facts mentioned are correct. Some of the scenes were even more frightening than described in the booklet. There's not the slightest doubt in my mind that the devil, that the devils were present that day, or sorry, the devils were present, and I'll never forget the horrible scenes as long as I live. The end. Oh my gosh. That's see, that's what I'm talking about. These kinds of spooky stories really get me freaking effing spooked. Right. I don't know. (laughs) What was that? (laughs) Fireworks. Okay. (laughs) I thought it was my soul leaving my body. <laughs> it's like all the demons leaving my body is what it sounds you like. imagine that's what it sounds like <laughs> oh that scared the shit out of me yeah. oh good one that was a good one that was really good it that was definitely the first time that I like got nervous just researching something you See, know that's why I worried like how was it to research that? Cause I feel like I would be looking over my shoulder every like, yeah. Well, everybody, thank you for ta- talking to us. <laughs> hey, thanks for, thanks for telling us the story. Thank you so much. I heard every word. You did a great <laughs> job. Yeah, I agree. Um, I was really freaked out by your storytelling and I am going to go home and bless myself. Yeah, I'm a little scared to like leave my backyard because I have to turn off the lights before I go through the garage. Yeah, that's when they're going to get you. I know that's why I'm going to have to run and I'm wearing the worst shoes to run in. I'm going to trip up the stairs and <laughs> hit my head on the back door. Yeah. Yep. And then I'll meet the demons myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like 4,000 gnats on my lights right now. Uh strangely i don't have any flies over here now hmm i guess bezelbub is gone 
What was that? Fireworks. Oh, they just take a really long break and then they start them up again. And it startles me every time. Is it your neighbors? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I Don't they know it's not even a holiday anymore? Um, in American Fork, you can do it till the 25th. Yeah. That's annoying. Have you looked at like Utah's map, of, like the red zones and stuff? Like the entire state. <laughs> it's like the entire state, but like tiny little dots <laughs> of like certain neighborhoods. <laughs> my neighborhood can have fireworks, but my neighborhood is also full to, full of a bunch of old people who have been asleep since like supper. So supper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so you have listened to On Deck at Dusk. Um, this is a segment, I guess you could call it, for Patreon only for now, where mm-hmm. Katie will mm-hmm. tell a story. I will tell a story next time, and we're going to switch off, and it's just going to be a once-a-month thing. Yeah. So enjoy. I hope you enjoyed the story, because I did, and it's making me really have to poo. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding yeah <laughs> um uh so check back next month i think this is gonna probably air on august 1st so okay. april's next up ep- april's episode which is going to be an international true crime story will probably air on september 1st and mm-hmm. then my haunted story will be august 1st and then we're just gonna go every other month after that so yeah yes uh you're already a patreon member you're probably already following us on social media just if you have any personal paranormal or true crime stories definitely send them in we really want to hear about them um we can just read your story off an email uh it seems to be a lot easier that way so if you just want to send it in just make sure it's as descriptive as you can make it yeah um and i think that's it yeah that's it okay check you you next time yeah (laughs) Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. I gotta I hear that. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I, was, I was singing our outro music. It's an emergency. Oh, okay. You're prairie dogging? Prairie dogging hard. I'm trying <laughs> to hold it in. <laughs> Ew.